Welcome to Connecting the Dots, where we share our stories from the battlefield of consulting. I'm Jesus Moreno, and I'm joined by my colleagues today to talk about expert UX and why it matters. Hi, I'm Chad Huff. I'm a UX lead. Hi, my name is Danny Wang. I'm a UX designer. I'm Johnny Hill. I'm also a UX designer. Hey, I'm Kareem Jamal, a senior architect. And I'm Phil Gambling, the technical lead. Okay, so today's topic is expert UX. And so I guess the first thing right off the bat is how do we define expert? Well, I, when I think about this, I, I start off thinking like um, maybe who they're not. And, and I think of like my parents or like the grandparents of the world. Um, they're not an expert, but whenever I'm uh, really thinking of, you know, who an expert is, it's the opposite of them. Somebody that's has specialized knowledge in, you know, technologies, um, you know, they're specializing in a, in a profession um, that requires some sort of advanced education or experience. Not that my, my mom and dad aren't, you know, brilliant people, but, um, they aren't day in and day out dealing with really complex information at this point in their life. Um, and I'm not designing for them. Yeah, I, I would almost define it as someone like with an intimate knowledge about something, whether that's like a, a topic or, you know, a, a field or an industry or even like a particular process or a workflow. I feel like almost a better term that I often hear in the UX world is like a power user, someone who who really knows their way around a specific application or a specific um, process. They're just very familiar with it and uh, and know how to use it very effectively and probably know more than you know the average person would. Yeah, for me, um, expert users they usually already have an existing tool and is very familiar with the tool, it could be a software or even a spreadsheet tool. And often the challenge will be um, they're so used to the tool and when we design something new, how do you make the transition to be smooth for them? Right. When you're comparing the, the breadth versus depth, these are the, the folks that are you know, really into the depth part of it. They get deep into uh, very specific stuff in their industry. Uh, and if, if the person says, hey, can I export this to Excel because I want to do more stuff on it, that's probably a good sign that that person is uh, at least some sort of expert user. Right. They, they, they tend to be like the authority on the subject matter versus us as the designers or engineers, you know, building solutions for them, right? Like, um, Does that tend to help or hurt in the design process when the user comes with their kind of this is how things should be done mentality. I mean, I, I think you definitely need user feedback. Um, like when you're working with experts, you need to know, hey, how are you currently using this? Um, you know, what are your current processes like? That, that whole kind of discovery process is very important. But at the same time, recognizing, okay, well, there is still a design process we need to go through. And it may be that the idea or the intention behind the idea is good, but the execution might be a little bit off. Um, but I, you know, I think definitely having that, that feedback is a crucial part, um, cause you don't want to be designing the wrong thing or emphasizing the wrong thing. 
it, it does make it a little challenging at times where you sort of have to have the person unlearn some stuff, right? Because they're so set on the solution in their head that sometimes they won't see other possible, uh, maybe even better solutions. Yeah, that's a great point. Just because Excel does it this way doesn't mean that that's the way that it has to be done forever, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. I also feel like you run into expert user. It's kind of, you either run into the expert user who does you know feel like they know have all the answers and then there's the other kind that are always deferring to you as oh you're the experts on on this <laughs> i don't want to suggest anything but you might actually really want that feedback and they're maybe being too timid to to share it right yep so when we design solutions for users how are the solutions that, that we design for experts different than the solutions that we design for someone with a more, I guess, general knowledge or less, mm -hmm. less focused knowledge? Well, in general, there's, there's a broader set of patterns that you can use in kind of the, the typical non-expert experience. There's just, uh, just a simpler thing in terms of overall amount of information that you're having to convey and the number of actions and complexity uh, of what you're designing. Um, with, with expert users, there's, there's just a, a greater amount of information generally. Um, uh, there's the terminology that they're using um, in, a, in a language that you need to learn. Um, so, and, and just, getting to that knowledge um, often requires research activities that you just, uh, it's not as easy to, to participate in that because you need to get access to these expert users and um, motivation to get them to talk with you, which sometimes could require large amounts of money to motivate them if they're not uh, you know, aware of the, the immediate benefit of talking to you uh, would provide them. So. There's a lot of different factors uh, that come to mind when, when thinking about the process of design for experts versus non. Yeah, I think it's very important to know the working environment of experts and that will result in different solutions. Like what kind of screen size and resolution they're using. Can they use a touch screen or they can only use keyboard or mouse. Um, and do they like heavily use keyboard instead of mouse? If so, maybe we need to design the properties for the experts. Um, and need to test the tap key and see if that will focus on the right elements on screen in the right order. Yeah, I would definitely say it's, you know, from the design side, I think the, the building blocks are the same, kind of like Chad was saying, you have your, your basic patterns. It's kind of how you implement them and recognizing that there's a certain uh, complexity that you need to account for for expert users. I think the examples kind of been given of, well, yeah, think about Excel. Excel can be, you know, seen as just a giant spreadsheet table thing, and you can do that same kind of table in, you know, the, your notes app on your phone, but you can also go way, way deeper and do far more to the point where you can, you know, create an entire application within Excel. Uh, so it's kind of that, you know, the same basic building blocks, but uh, how you approach it and the overall goal is what's often different. 
between uh, sort of general novice users and experts. Isn't there also like a tolerance for uh, expecting a degree of training for a new expert user product versus something that's more consumer driven, like, you know, my new user experience for um, say something that's just a general use has maybe has like a training a little wizard that guides you through your first time logging in and tries to help give you tool tips, whereas uh, expert user product probably has some degree of like, well, there'll be some initial training and then they're going to use it day in and day out and just have everything memorized anyway. So it can be a little bit rougher at first. I mean, in, right. like in my experience, what I've seen. Yeah, no, that's definitely the expectation is that, you know, there, there will be some training. Um, at the same time, we're, I think we're challenged with people, um, especially those that may be a little bit younger than me, aren't likely to want to uh, read a manual or, or take training. They just want to jump in and have expectations that um, the tool would be easy to navigate and, and uh, you know, could help them. So having those kinds of guides built um, and you know, thinking about the process of how does, how do we get from empty state to, um, you know, states that have oh, lots of data um, and can help people get through their process and workflows or build, potentially build what their workflow is within the product. Um, just, it gets more complex, but that's a, a great differentiator though. Yeah, as, as you're going through with the with the expert users, I think you can get sort of straight to the point and use the technical terms. Whereas if it's not an expert, um, you know, as mentioned, uh, a little bit more training and sort of context sensitive help or tool tips on you know what these terms mean or what this thing is, uh, and you know some some sort of bumpers or tool tips, you know, uh, all over the place to just help yeah. get acquainted with it, and then then that person starts becoming an expert and doesn't need those uh, bumpers anymore. Well, I think another factor with this is there's a few that come to mind, like the, the performance of the solution and, and what is the feedback given from, from the solution um, that there's, it's helpful to have amazing developers at Xperia to help us build quick uh, responsive applications. Um, but there's also a factor of, trust and like disclosure of where um, the data is coming from and, and how accurate and how up-to-date is this data, um, depending on the experience that we're designing for. The experts really need to be able to understand um, the information that they're being presented and any kind of recommendation we, be, we may make or any kind of notification to fully understand like what it is that the system is asking them to do and, and should they trust it? Yeah, it's like the system needs to show its work, you know, like yeah. use a school analogy before and, and it probably takes a while for that the users to trust like, okay, every time I've gone behind the scenes and checked, it looked good. So I don't need it every time, but that's definitely, uh, I think that comes up a lot in um, finance too. It's just like, where what was the source of this data? You know, how do I, uh, is this a source I would typically have gone to if I was doing this by myself? And it's, it's understanding and uh, oftentimes quick understanding too, right? Uh, as mentioned earlier, like we need to know what environment they're operating under. 
how many screens they have up, how many apps they have up on each screen. So it's like they need to be able to quickly glance at it, understand it, uh, and then move on to their next app because every, you know, you're basically competing with all these other things. So you sort of need to have an idea of, hey, how loud and uh, seizure inducing do my notifications and things need to be to get this person's attention and, uh, you know, convey the message clearly and quickly. So Kareem, I worked with you on that project that you're thinking of with the seizure inducing uh, notifications. And one of the things that, that I was always shocked by was how much data there was on the screen. And to me as a developer, most of it looked like noise for 90% of the time, but it seemed like the users got some real value out of it. And it seems like, uh, I think Johnny was the main designer on that product as well. Um, like you guys seem to be able to surface very relevant um, information for the experts. I, I guess kind of getting that signal to noise ratio right. How do you know what information to surface or how do you figure that out? Yeah, a lot of that comes back down to the user interview process and the discovery process. Because um, yeah, there, there were definitely parts of that particular project that felt very counterintuitive to me and, and my understanding of design. Um, but was incredibly needed and valuable to the users we were designing for. Um, so yeah, I, I may have broken some of the traditional rules, but it was for the benefit of the user who said, no, 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 I really do need and benefit from doing things this way, because otherwise I won't see it or I won't be able to find what I need in the time I need to find it. So it, it was a little bit counterintuitive, um, but once we had a better understanding and a relationship with both the client and the client's users, uh, it helped to kind of make that path a little clearer to find the best way forward. I think that's a key point to take away is that oftentimes when you're working with expert users, you will find yourself having to break out of the current patterns, uh, you know, the design patterns that are in place. Hey, there should be this much spacing in between so it's, you know, easier to read. Oftentimes, expert users will push that limit and sort of force you out of that. And if you try to stay within that design system very strictly mm -hmm. and uh, stringently, then you'll you'll have some friction there. Yeah, to pick yeah. on finance again, that's a common nitpick we'll get early on: is there's too much white space, there's too much padding here, just like more data, more more numbers, you know, more density. Yeah, yeah, data density is huge, right? Like there's, and some of the experts will say, um, you know, I don't want to scroll, I want it all. And, you know, they, they can learn, although they'll be the type of user that expects everybody else to be like them um, and you know, have intimate knowledge of the tool, um, same screen size and everything. And in some cases, as Danny, Danny mentioned, that is the case. We do talk to a very specific set of users that we know, okay, we're designing for this type of use. Um, but in other cases, you, you have to kind of weigh the feedback that you're getting from uh, those that you're talking to that may be a stakeholder, but maybe they're not the actual in, end user. Um, they may be getting some filtered feedback. So, Yeah, and that's, that's not even taking into consideration when you have apps that are used by multiple different kinds of users where some may be experts and some may not be right. so you may need to support whether that's you know an information density slider where you can say how how intense you want 
you know, how much data you want on the screen at once, or it may be, you know, supporting entirely different workflows and processes, depending on the level of comfort the user has with the system. So there's, there's a whole different conversation there to be had around not just talking about the expert users, but every user of the application and what they specifically may need. It, it can right. get messy quick. Yeah, I was uh, just last week, I was trying to give an analogy of this kind of situation um, for a product where it's basically be asked to design a, a calendar and um, you know, thinking about how a calendar is designed to be probably defaulted to a weekly view. So somebody's just thinking about this next week and what are we doing? Um, but you may have a, a need for a monthly view or that, that year long view. Um, and somebody that's looking a year out, you know, has, has a different, uh, different need, has, has different information that they're trying to get. Um, but trying to use the pattern that we're using for the weekly view um, for all users and for just does not work, right? So you need to be able to think about, okay, well, what what's the right amount of information to, to present um, within the UI? And um, it could be similar patterns. And again, this just one of those things where everybody was trying to get, uh, you know, a lot of information uh, into what, you know, is, is a finite amount of uh, screen real estate. So I thought it was just an, an interesting example of, that almost anybody could relate to uh, in using a calendar. And I, I think as, as they become more of an expert, they want the density to increase, right? Uh, and so maybe some sort of pro progressive density, uh, let's call it. Uh, right. toggles and settings that users can adjust. Like Gmail does a good job of that, right? They have your uh, default, comfortable, and compact settings, right? So as you get more familiar with the UI, you can start making the, the interface a little tighter and get more information on the screen. Um, yeah. I feel the more expert you get, the, the, the closer the density becomes to like a singularity, right? They want everything just cramped and like packed into that one quick screen for quick digest. Just a black hole of information. <laughs> the thing about information too, it's really interesting. I think we've gotten, we've been learning more and more about trying to get real data into our design process. Um, as you know, you, you, you can show experts uh, mockups that don't have real data and that can be a distraction point or they maybe just completely don't, you know, give you the feedback you need to build for them because it doesn't apply to them. But that's also the challenge um, within the design process is to be able to get realistic enough data um, to get that feedback. So I'm not sure if Danny or, or Johnny have experienced that uh, recently, but I, th I think that's been another factor for us. Yeah, I, I think having a, a good grasp of accurate data is also important to make sure you're designing with the right uses in mind. Because if, if you're using dummy data and you think, okay, yeah, this will kind of work with what I'm envisioning. And then you find out, oh no, that doesn't scale well at all. to the amount of information or even the kind of information users need, you're kind of, uh, you know, you're, you're stuck in a pretty rough spot because then 
you know, you, you kind of need to go back and say, oh, I didn't even realize this is what, you know, I, you're basically designing for the wrong problem. Right. Um, so yeah. yeah, having having that information and knowing how to scale it well, I think is super, super needed for expert users. Yeah, my experience is it often requires the help from our customers to maybe export the existing data from the existing tool they're using. Uh, it could be a spreadsheet, and it would be great if we can connect spreadsheet with the design tool we use, but if not, we can just um, have a way to copy and paste the data um, in the design so it feels more real for users. Yeah. I think that is another key point to keep in mind is uh, when, you're, when you're putting these wireframes and designs together, either make sure the data is obviously placeholder like lorem ipsum, or make sure that it's correct data. Because if it's close to correct, uh, then it'll serve more as a distraction because your expert users will start trying to analyze that data and start pointing out where it's wrong and stuff, which completely takes you away from the, you know, evaluating the design and understanding that. So we've been focusing primarily on the UX side, uh, but we have a few developers on the call. So I guess to you guys, are have you guys noticed any differences between implementing UI when you're doing it for an expert user versus when you're doing it for a more standard user? Uh, one thing you have to keep in mind for expert users is they, they really wanna be able to fill out forms and just navigate the app quickly. So that, that requires a lot more keyboard navigation and keyboard shortcuts, basically, how can I get this uh, get through this app quickly without lifting a finger uh, off the keyboard? Um, so you sort of have to build that in. You have to have the tab orders and you know all that flow correct, so that the user can quickly just uh, do their thing, uh, not get annoyed, not have to mouse around you know corners of the app, uh, and you know submit their forms or entries or whatever they want. And then yeah, potentially just keyboard shortcuts that. You know, you could take even further that every user wants to customize their key mapping. So um, not necessarily standard user to user, but it, it's like to what you're saying, Kareem, that the mouse is not necessarily their friend and the keyboard, they want to keep their hands on the keyboard. And then I guess the other thing you have to also keep in mind is performance especially now that you're dealing with uh, a lot of data density as well. You wanna make sure it's responsive and then keeping in mind uh, the fact that there are multiple apps uh, competing for the, the expert's attention at the same time, you, you need to make sure that it's fast because if they're slow, the expert is gonna pause and just go to something else. Now you've lost their attention so they you know, cycle around again. Yeah. And then sort of counterintuitive to that, you're, you're inherently, you may be dealing with a, a much smaller user base though. You know, like uh, it's not like going to Amazon where millions of people around the world are, are using it on a daily basis, the expert app, it might be a handful of people that use it and maybe they check in once a day to get, get the data they need to go do what other tasks they're doing. So it's like some of those considerations on more like backend server performance might not matter as much um, because you know you can tolerate you know, a little bit less parallel processing for example like maybe it's okay if this model just runs uh once a day and and so and so comes and picks up in the morning but the ui the browser might get loaded up with a bunch of you know just a bunch of stuff in a huge massive grid and like that still needs to be fast they 
like the data needs to be generated, but it needs to be the, the UI to get to whatever answer it is that I'm interested in. It needs to be fast and snappy, like you're saying, Kareem. Yeah, all that all that makes sense, guys. Um, really appreciate the conversation, and um, I I think it, it kind of in summary we've you know, talked about the different types of users that we design for. Um, you know, the experts being like the authority on the subject matter, um, and you know how we come up with and identify the patterns and, and the experience that we need to create for them and implement, you know, in a speedy and performant way. Um, something I enjoy getting to do at Xperio. I think it's one of the reasons why uh, all this work for Xperio um, and uh, yeah, get to enjoy the, the work that we do. So thanks for the opportunity to talk about this today. And uh, I think we'll be talking about um, some more good stuff here in the near future. Thanks right. for joining us. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to connecting with you next time. Nailed it. I felt so. I think that worked. That's good enough. That was, yeah. that was perfect. We'll see how it's yeah. I, was, I was waiting for Jesus to just finish it off and say thank you. <laughs> we'll fix it in post. Thanks, Marshall. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Marshall's the best. Hi, Marshall. <laughs> Marshall, right. make me sound smarter. Please, yeah, fix me. Yes. Yeah. All right. <laughs>